everyone. Welcome to Central American Voices Podcast. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. You know, I, I came in the summer of 1980. I was seven years old when I came to D.C. It was as a result of the war that was taking place in El Salvador. I came at the age of eight. We're the generation that came as children. Coming to Mount Pleasant was coming to my hometown, to, to El Salvador, you know. When I got off the boat type of thing, I landed into a Latino community that was already well-established. the crew of La Vampleza film. Today we are with Cindy Centeno and Kiki Aviles. Um, bienvenidos. And I would like to, you know, start with a little bit of their introduction. So, Kike. Mi nombre es Kike Aviles y yo soy del Salvador y he vivido en Washington, D.C. por 41 años. Yo llegué en 1980 y fui parte de toda esa ola que empezó este el, bueno el, 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 la fuga no eh, eh, de diáspora la diáspora salvadoreña y he vivido aquí en la ciudad no desde entonces y soy actor poeta y loco Bienvenido, Kike, bienvenido. Cindy? Yeah, um, hola, mi nombre es Cindy Centeno. My name is Cindy Centeno. Um, I am a proud daughter of Salvadoran immigrants. Uh, I was born here in the United States, so I'm first generation. Um, and so I've been here since I've been born <laughs> over 25 years. Um, and I, um, yeah, born and raised in Arlington, Virginia. So right outside the DC area and, uh, mis padres son de San Miguel in Salvador specifically. Um, and I'm a filmmaker, photographer, media producer. Um, and with La Mampleza specifically, I'm one of the producers, um, I, and specifically an impact producer. Um, so, yeah. Yes, bienvenidos, bienvenidos, welcome. Uh, so just to start a little bit, I wanted to uh, ask a little bit about what is La Mampleza? Like, if you could tell me a little bit about the film. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here's Cindy. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so um, La Mampleza and Uprising Remembered is a documentary um, that... It uh, basically retells the story of the 1991 Mount Pleasant uprisings um, here in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And uh, what sparked the uprising was when a young Salvadoran man, um, Daniel Gomez, was shot by a police officer. Um, and so this film specifically, um, it, it brings a community into the conversation and um, gives them an opportunity to retell what what happened you know what led up to those events um the days of the uprisings and then also you know what were some of the long-lasting effects and and impact of 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 that you know um period of time and it's really told through the story through the eyes of um artists and poets like Kike, you know, um, and musicians and, the, but the community, the community itself that lived it, that went through it, um, that experienced it. 
um, they are given, you know, an opportunity to share their experiences. Um, and so it's a very powerful film. Um, and it's, you know, we, we released it in mid 2021. So summer of last year. Um, and since then it's just been incredible. The reception has been really, really powerful. And, um, this is a piece of DC history, but also Salvadoran history that has not been taught in schools, has not really been heard about. Um, and so it's just been incredible to share that, um, and have it be really lifted up through, through, through the community and through the Salvadoran diaspora, um, and build that community around it. So, yeah. 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 It's a street. It's Mount Pleasant Street. It is just that we Latinos, we just call it La Manplaza. Um, And it's a very short street. You know, it's probably about 10 blocks. And uh, it's uh, it's the only place that's left in in D.C. uh, of what was was at one point a huge uh, Latino barrio, no? And there were different... Uh, sections of the city that were part of that. And there was Adams Morgan, which is another neighborhood, Mount Pleasant, mm-hmm. and Columbia Heights, you know. And they, each one had kind of like their own feel. And during the riots, you know, because mm-hmm. it was three three days of rioting, fighting against the police because people, mainly Salvadorians, were sick and tired of being harassed by the cops over and over and over and over, you know, they took us as as the new kid on the block, you know, so they could, you know, do to us or with us whatever they wanted. So when this guy gets shot, it was Cinco de Mayo, you know, and everybody was out, you know, the restaurants have like their specials and people drinking and so on and so forth. Um, And... It, the shooting of this guy, you know, this cop, this DC cop, shot, shoots him in the chest, and word got out that he was already handcuffed, and that was the spark, oh, and he okay. went on for for three days, you know. So it was this fight, you know, cat and mouse kind of thing, tear gas all over the place, but it was this one moment when the Salvadorian community, along with the black community and other communities, because. I mean, it was not just a, a Latino riot or a pricing, you know, whatever word you want to use, because everybody that had grown up and had that lived among us mm-hmm. um, came out. And the second day, there was no, there was no way to stay in because all the the tear gas was getting into people's houses. So of course you had to come out and, and gas for air, you know. So very conf- so. I just want to point that out, mm-hmm. and, and that you know it was not just you know because a lot of people you know looked at it a, b- a bunch of vandals you know about looting, and, and that did happen, you know. Uh, places were set on fire, you know, businesses were broken into, police cars were burned. I mean, we were lucky that no police officer or no other person got shot or killed because it was violent. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the footage in the film, it's, it's, it's quite, you know, harsh to, to see, you know, and, and you know, and I, I just want to point this out that this happens um, right after Rodney King. So we had seen the images of Rodney King being beaten to a pulp a year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following, so this happens in May. Uh, I think the following year is when the verdict comes down and the cops get acquitted in LA and LA goes up on fire. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of like a prelude to 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 those riots, you know. So this whole thing of Black Lives Matter and you know defund the police. I mean, this these are these are things that have been a presence in our communities for decades. Now to this day, you know, yeah. this is something that keeps on happening. So I just want to kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know put it into context in that sense that there is a change. Uh, of you know historical chain that somehow we fell into and the film I think captures that moment of mm-hmm. that chain uh, that link you know mm-hmm. uh, you know through through this you know one hour movie yeah and I think I, that was something I was gonna ask um I didn't know it was a straight um the name the Mambresa. um and then you know it's what you what Kiko was saying how like yeah there was looting and I felt like sometimes uh, when we talk about a little bit about media because I didn't know this right like this whole like up, uprising happened I feel like when we talk about issues like that they always like are overshadowed by like like you know business getting into breaking into riots looting and all that and it's, it's it takes away the main focus of what we're fighting for right i think we have seen it throughout decades you know this happens in the i i'm sorry i'm confused when when this happened this 1991 1991 you know it has been well like 30 plus years exactly you know, and is it, and even over the thirty something years that have happened, we tend to see that when there's an uprising, we always get overshadow the main mm-hmm. message. And I feel like it's really nice that um, to bring like an important like film like this that myself I didn't know, and probably a lot of Central America doesn't know, and is very uh, connecting to the Central American diaspora, the Salvadoran diaspora, and this and this per se in this instance. Um, So when starting the film uh, or thinking about the film, what was the first motivation that y'all have? Like, okay, we we need to make this film. What is the motivation behind it? Yeah, um, I can share a little bit in terms of um, Ellie Walton, who is the director and and main filmmaker. Um, So she was nine years old when this happened. um, And she... So she has very vivid memories of her and her um, brother, um, you know, watching this all happen because they lived in Mount Pleasant. Um, And so she was nine nine years old living in in Mount Pleasant and then saw that this was going on. And I think from that moment on, you know, she really felt tugged to one, just tell stories of injustices happening, right, in, in communities. Um, and so she knew that there was something wrong that that occurred there at such a young age, right? Um, and 
too, you know, she, because she grew up in Mount Pleasant, she grew up with Kike. Um, and Kike can share more about, you know, his relationship with Ellie. You know, it was already something that um, a story that she wanted to to help tell, um, but obviously it be told by the community itself. Um, and so, you know, her passion for for justice um, and wanting to tell stories in a collaborative way was a huge driving force. Um, but I'd let Kike, you know, kind of share more about, you know, when, when she first approached him and, and everyone else. Yeah, yeah and I think it, it goes back to the whole thing of context, you know. I mean, Ellie was part of, of you know, of kind of this, this communal type of lim- living, you know. Um, you know, the, the neighborhoods that I mentioned before, Anse Morgan, Mount Pleasant, and Columbia Heights, were changing very rapidly uh, with the arrival of so many Salvadorians, but we came into these neighborhoods that already had a presence of Argentinians, of Chileans, of you know people fleeing from other dictatorships that had came as exiles mm-hmm. in the seventies. You know, so there was already a mural movement. There was already. Uh, a bunch of Puerto Ricans that, that lived in, I mean, there was a lot of abandoned buildings. So uh, picture the Bronx, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, like just, you know, rundown buildings, broken glass. I mean, the city was in shambles, no? Um, and we're talking about, you know, 78, 79. And, you know, soccer was kind of like a big thing in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, all the men worked in construction and painting, blah, blah. But they would come to these parks in these neighborhoods and, you know, whites and Rastafarians and communists and socialists. So it was this, it's this, air, this thing that was in the air, no? And the Sandinista revolution had just happened. And El Salvador was just exploding. I mean, all, all of Latin America was exploding, no? Saying no to dictatorships, but with that, the, the repression came in force. And of course, you know, when your house is on fire, on fire you run. Mm-hmm. So we ran. So the fact that Ellie was nine when this happened, and she's a white kid you know, at that time, and the fact that somehow she felt comfort being with us, and we felt comfort in being, because they were the children of former anti-Vietnam you know, the anti-nucleus movement, hippies, no? Mm-hmm. A lot of hippie houses, you know, a lot of group houses. So her, I think, desire to, because, you know, we were taught by a lot of the same teachers. We, we studied art, we studied theater, we studied poetry, you know, we, we and, and we were, you know, going continuously to marches and to demonstrations in front of the Pentagon, the White House, you know, the Capitol because of the wars in Latin America, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, so later when she's, you know, full grown woman, you no, know, that she comes back a filmmaker. I guess she went to Europe for a while. And when she comes back, she's making films. Mm-hmm. So. And, and and I think that her desire was one is like, you know, I want to catch this memory as long as I have it in some kind of vivid way in my head. And then she came to us, you no, know, to me, because I'm one of those like elders, 
And I knew a lot of the folks that had been in the in in the uprising, no. Mm -hmm. um, and so I helped her make a lot of those contacts, and then from then on, the the film started moving. Oh, wow, that's definitely. I feel like with filmmaking, um, you know, definitely sometimes it starts with like a, a personal experience, right? And I can only imagine, you know, what her, you know, like it happened when she was nine. You know, and I think like, for example, us, even like in our life, we have moments like that, right? You seem to be a filmmaker and, you know, Kiki, you being like an um, artist. Like, I feel like a lot of, of stuff that we do is motivated by our own experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I can only imagine like, you know, the unpleasant what happened those years, like the impact that had on the director and now being now a fully piece that is you know going to a lot of film festivals and has this impact on people like i said not very well known topic but you experience it again like it's, it's it's a story that is not only motivated by personal experience but also like it's sort of motivated by that untold history or that mm -hmm. untold like you know um and i can only imagine like the challenges that may face right specifically coming with like archives and you know so tell me a little bit about the challenges like what happened well in that creation that whole production of the film how was like the if you had any issues or challenges or like archives or in this case because this is an actual piece you know you're questioning the police right the brutality that happened to to someone and sometimes those type of topics can be hard as a filmmaker as a someone you know people searching for justice that sometimes we might not get justice just because of the system mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'm happy to, to start. So probably one of the biggest challenges from the very beginning was um, just filming in general because of COVID. So I want to say that production started, and Kika, you can correct me on this, like end of 2019, early 2020. So before the pandemic hit. Um, and uh so there had to be a shift in terms of how the interviews were, were supposed to be done, which ended up as, you know, as sad, obviously, as the ongoing pandemic is, like, ended up actually, I think, being, um, you know, something that worked in our benefit, because mm -hmm. the way that the interviews are done is, you know, with people sitting outside their front stoops or their porches. And so it really just... Um, brought in again this element of like community and like this was just a way of people being again in community just sitting outside and talking mm -hmm. with your neighbor talking with you know friends and enjoying the fresh air you know so um but there was definitely that that change that had to happen um because we couldn't really be you know, in close proximity with each other. Um, and then the other piece too, right later that year, um, just the, again, another kind of rise with the Black uh, Lives Matter movement mm -hmm. and police brutality, right? The conversation, um, again, it just mm -hmm. keeps repeating itself, right? So um, again, a very sad um, thing, but it also, I think, prompted a lot of, just the direction that the film went into, right? Mm -hmm. In that this history keeps repeating itself and repeating itself. And mm -hmm. 30 years after, um, you know, Mount Pleasant uprising, we're seeing this happen. 
and also 30 or, you know, however many years before the uprising, we were seeing this happen in in Salvador, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just, it again was like, it all, although it was challenging, it still kind of worked in favor of how the film was put together in a way that really like struck multiple themes and multiple Mm -hmm. like important themes but I think also the challenge there too with once you know we're starting to put it all together is like what are the things we have to cut what are the things that you know we have to move forward without and that's really hard I like I I came into the project um early 2021 and I saw you know one of the first cuts of the film and I loved it but I also was like whoa like you can make so many different films from just this content Mm -hmm. many different topics so many different directions you can go to um so that's obviously a really hard part of of, you know just in general of making a film um and i think the other thing i'll say too before i pass it off to kike um to share his thoughts or um to your point alejandra on you know touching on themes like police brutality and um you know these are important topics I also know that they're sensitive to some, mm-hmm. to some people. Right. But, um, you know, we, there was one point where, you know, we were finalizing the film, we were getting ready for, you know, one of our first screenings and there were some questions that came up of like, Oh, do we really want to share a film that talks about police brutality, you know, in DC? I'm like, actually, yes, we do want to yeah. do that. And, but also too, you know, it's, when people first saw the trailer, I think people thought that, oh, this is a film about police brutality. And while, yes, it is a, a big theme of the film, it's not what it's completely all about. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about community. We talk about the Salvadoran Civil War. We talk about um, art and poetry. We talk, you know, like there's so many different, we talk about gentrification, right? So, yes, these are, again, like very big themes but we should be talking about that. And so there's, again, this like back and forth with people who might feel uncomfortable or think like, oh, you know, we're in the midst of all of this. Is this really a good idea? It's like, yeah, it is, um, which is, you know, just a tough part of it all. But anyway, Kika, if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, at least for me, you know, personally, because I've lived in this city for for so long and you know i've always been very weary of outsiders you know coming in to to look at the monkeys you know to study us you know um and it's just it's plenty of that man dc is a pass-through kind of town you know this is the kind of city where people come to uh, develop a resume you know, to do their internships or to like, you know, start working here and doing that, you know, kind of like a rehearsal type of town, you know, and then they move on, you know, and they start really good programs. There's always these holes that are left, you know, so, so and so came, you just graduated from, you know, whatever, university and started a program for young women doing writing, blah, blah. A photographer comes in, starts a program with black kids and BBB, and then, oh, I got to go to graduate school. Oh, I got to move on. But it's that type of town, no? Mm-hmm. And there was none of that in this, you know. I mean, I never met McGee, who's like one of the key persons, in, in, and actually I never met Cindy until the very end. Mm-hmm. But 
you never felt to me that Ellie was was an outsider. You know, I knew I was talking to somebody that was uh, by now a colleague. Mm-hmm. You know, a partner, an artist. No, because mm-hmm. you know she used to, she was my student at some point. You know, one of the workshops I used to run, you know, spoken resistance. So I met her as a seventeen-year-old young woman, you no, know, along with her friends. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them that you know were poets, writers, and so on and so forth. You know, and I was already you know kind of coaching kids, you no, know, uh, young people, and. And then when she came back, you know, we worked in some, you know, I did like little parts here and there and all the stuff that she was working on. I knew she was making a film, but, you know, and, but it just never, you know, it, for me, it just felt natural to do, to work with her. Um, I did not know we were making a film to like probably a year into the process and I'm like, oh, okay, she's making a film. <laughs> Uh, that's what she keeps showing up and telling me to dress up as this and this and that and the other, whatever, you know. But, um, but it, you know, it had that. And then when it came together and, like, Cindy said, you know, the pandemic. I mean, like, you know, Ellie could not be at, at the premiere of her film because she got COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, and everybody, we were still scared as hell. You know, it was, it was, it, it, I think it was brave. It, 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 it was something, but it, it needed to be done, no? And I think that, 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 uh, and I, you know, I, I hope that Cindy gets to talk about the reactions and the impact that this film has had on young Central Americans, mostly educated, mostly university students. I mean, the response that this thing has generated, and I think Cindy should talk about that. It's perfect. It's like you were reading my mind because <laughs> I, I was like, we're talking about challenges, but, um, and really quickly before I touch on the impact, you, you mentioned something in terms of the archival footage and content. Mm-hmm. And um, Rick Reinhardt, who is a photographer um, in the area, he had boxes, boxes and boxes of photographs that he took um, during the uprising and, and of the community. And so a lot of the stuff that you see in the film is that archive content. And that came, again, from within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped so much. And I think that speaks to, again, this big point with Ellie and with our entire team that we are um, very collaborative in, in everything that we want to do. You know, we want to make sure that we're talking to the right people, that we have a lot of voices part of the process. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just been an, an incredible, um, thing that that's been able to happen. But so to Kika's point, the impact of this film. So I, I don't even know where I, so it, when I joined, this was like March of 2021, Ellie had reached out to me and said, you know, there's this film about Salvadoran community in the DC area and, you know, shared a little bit about the uprising. And I was like, what is this? I've never heard about this. Um, and again, it was just across the bridge, like in Arlington, but I had never heard about what had happened and I immediately was intrigued. And so I watched the first cut. I was so hooked and I was like, yes, I want to be a part of this. And, um, so I was brought on to lead our crowdfunding campaign. So we needed to raise 
$25,000 to help finish the film for final editing, sound mixing, to pay honorariums to the memory keepers, a bunch of other stuff. It takes money, right, to make a film. Um, and so we decided to go the crowdfunding route um, and we just posted on social media. We started to go fund me. We posted on social media and said, hey, this is a film about this. And, and we reached out to you know, communities or groups, organizations that we knew from the DC area, Mount Pleasant area, but also um, people that we just did research on, like who are the Salvadoran academics and people who, who are in this area and were just spread super, super fast. I want to say we were able to reach the $25,000 goal. Oh, I can't remember, but maybe within a week, a week and a half, something like that. And we decided to extend that goal to 30,000. And we reached that as well, just within a few days after. I mean, the the impact has been incredible. The engagement has been incredible. We were receiving messages, voice memos, videos, pictures through our Instagram of other people in the community sharing testimonies from their parents or their mm-hmm. own testimony saying, yeah, I lived above, you know, the laundromat or something, or I lived down the street. My, my dad was there when this happened. Mm-hmm. They started sharing all of this and we were like, oh my gosh, like, because again, this film is only a, a piece of the story. There were obviously mm-hmm. many, many others who experienced this, but people were so excited. And they were like, thank you. Thank you for like sharing this story because our stories aren't being told. And, um, you know, it's incredible to see something like this, or, you know, people, my generation saying like, I've never heard about this. Like, and, you know, I've lived, you know, here, or my parents have been here for a while and they don't talk about it. Right. Because, you know, and that's a whole other theme, like our yeah. parents or grandparents carry so much trauma. Right. So like, yeah. you don't really have those conversations often. Right. Yeah, so I'm, it's just, the impact has been wild and it continues to be that way. I mean, again, as we continue to share the film either here or in other areas, like it's this very beautiful thing to watch where, again, people my generation or younger or a little bit older are starting to finally feel like their voices are being heard or like they're able to see themselves and their stories right. being told. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because, yeah. you know, one of the things that, that, that has stood out for me is like people saying, when the fuck have you been? We needed this, you know? Uh, one of the most beautiful uh, you know, kind of, like, you know, I'm a poet, so I think in that way. But it's like, you know, we were looking for a well, and now there's a place we can drink from, you know, and the issue of parents not wanting to taint their kids with their trauma, you know. I, you know, my, my parents mentioned this, but they never give me details. So there was this young woman, you know, Salvadorian painter, you know, went to the same school that I went to, to Kelly School of the Arts. And um, she brought her mom to see the film and um, they engaged in this conversation. And then he says, well, because of the film, that her mom started telling her her stories. And she said her mom started lifting her her blouse and to show her the scars of the uh, that she had gotten from being tortured because she was part of the guerrillas. Um, 
you know, and then it's on and on and on it goes, you know, of, it's like a whole generation of, of Salvadoran Americans that somehow, and I call it oppression by proxy, you know, where you know you're you 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 you're an American, but you don't see or think of yourself as one because you're in solidarity with your immigrant parents. Mm. Um, and the immigrant parents are kind of saying, I don't want to poison my kid with this kind of shit, no? Mm. Uh, and it go, comes from both sides. So the film itself has, has turned into this, this, this thing, no? Where people are saying, I want to know. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that, you know, so yeah. many times over now. And and I think Cindy um, has 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 had that experience, you know, because she she's one of those folks, you know, that you know, college educated from Salvadorian parents, and some of them are mixed, you know, mixed with como tú, you no. Know? Uh, Honduran, Salvadorian, and you name it, no? Colombian, Salvadorian, but I mean, mm-hmm. El Mixeo, no? Um, but that the film has had this 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 impact on, on, on a young generation. They had no idea yeah. that this is part of DC history, you know? Yeah. And that's the big fight to mm-hmm. get this thing into the uh, DC public schools curriculum mm-hmm. because. Latino students in the DC public school system, uh, Latinos, there's not even a sentence about Latino history and the official DC history public school book. Hey, I know we don't like ads, but before we continue with the episode, I wanted to tell you that if you like our content, it would mean a lot if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Also, don't forget to follow us on the rest of our social media platform. And now let's continue with the episode. No, I feel like one of the things that while you guys were talking that kind of stood out to me is like what Kika said, you know, like I, I feel I'm pronouncing Ellie is the director, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay yeah so ellie you didn't see her as an outsider and i feel that is so important when making films um and then in this content about central american films that as kika said some we are so used to people making films about us with no relation right mm-hmm. we talk about films made about central americans over there in the region we're talking about like or experience but no connection at all mm-hmm. not like the sense of you know, being part of, and because those films are the ones that sometimes make it to educa- mm-hmm. educational curriculums, or sometimes we don't feel seen because that does not reflect us. You know, that is not who we are. And specifically, like about this film, La Mampleza, is like, you know, it's about community and something that I love what Cindy said that, you know, for me, when I was, when Cindy approached me, she sent me a DM uh, on my personal one and on my, the podcast one. And I was like, wow, I want to know more. You know, I'm, I'm a filmmaker myself. So I was like, I want to know more because this is something I didn't know. And it's true. Like, you know, in my, in my head, I started thinking, okay, like how does this like archive happen? And to know that it was from the community, right? And the response that you see the Cindy shares is like, is this overwhelming, huge, like positive response is what 
to me is like this is why we need films right this is why we need platforms this is why we need things made by st- people who have experienced it people who have a proxy like you know from the incident from the identity from the community from the location you know because we are so used to and in the in the film industry we're so used to making films about mm-hmm. something but it's like where is the mm-hmm. connection where is the connection when people speaking like this no man you're not the one you're doing can you do a thicker accent you know like i feel like we're so used to in film or even media <laughs> we're media like, so... <laughs> oh my god no it's like so many low and order episodes where the the maid no the mm-hmm. maid Or at the hotel, the maid walks in and runs into the body. He says, "Ay, Dios mío!" Or they go like this. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I don't know. Okay. No, it's true. No, but you know, I, I think it's true. It's so true. And even with documentaries, I think, um, you know. <sighs> I, you know, I've been to, so we got into the San Diego Latino Film Festival mm-hmm. um, last fall, and um, which was awesome. And, but even thinking about film festivals too, like what are the stories that are being told and, and shared through there? And um, where are they coming from, right? Like what are the films that are getting the most, I guess, spotlighted or whatever. And mm-hmm. often, you know, we see when we think about Latin American cinema or film or documentaries you see mexico chile argentina mm-hmm. puerto rico like and they all deserve it right of course but you don't see a lot of central america you just yeah. don't and it's like mm-hmm. we're, we're out there we're making stuff mm-hmm. um but i think you know it's we're there's more like we need yeah. to we need to make sure that we're getting that same um platform and, and opportunity and to your point too again that like we need to we need to do it ourselves too we need to be the ones that take the mic and Mm -hmm. you know talk to our parents stop talk to our grandparents because like Ike said you know we're hungry for this yes we're wanting to learn more we want to hear and again like you know when I was 13 years old did I want to sit down and talk to my dad and he you know like like No, at that age, I was very naive and didn't want to hear it. But obviously now, as an adult, right, I'm, I, I, wanna, I do want to hear that and I value that more. But I'm also seeing that our even younger generation, 15-year-olds, are also very intrigued by it. And that's amazing to watch and to see. And because these conversations about police brutality and trauma and all of this, they're, they're happening more openly. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, progress has been made in some sense there. And yeah. so I think that that offers a lot of folks an opportunity to, you know, just get that kind of light bulb going and, and think like, huh, like, I wonder what was my parents' experience? And so yeah. another piece of this film and project is to say, hey, like, you know, especially with like the phones that we have exactly. nowadays, right? Like you can record an interview with your mom. You mm-hmm. can do an audio recording with your grandparent. Mm-hmm. You do you do this. You start to mm-hmm. to take ownership of, of mm-hmm. your memories and of your story, of your family story, um, mm-hmm. because we need it and it's important. I mean, I 
a few months ago, I just sat down with my mom like mm. half an hour before she left for work. And I was like, mom, let me just ask you a couple questions about why you came to the US. And mm. I asked her that question. And then I have this picture of her um, that was taken soon after she first came to the US. Mm. And, um, you know, I put it in front of her and I said, you know, if you could talk to her and, and give her advice or tell her, mm. something, what would you tell her? Mm. That one question opened mm. up an entire thing and that was just a 20 minute conversation with my mom and I just was like it was just incredible to see did she come back from work and had more to say I left before she was able to come back but she, she cried and I and I showed her the, the video I'll have to I, I, I thought I shared it with you Kika I'll have to share it with you yeah but I just you know talked about you know the civil war and talked about what she experienced and had this beautiful but again like we need to talk to our parents. We need to be the ones that, yeah. that, that do this because those stories are important. And that's, that's also the, the best way we're going to learn, right? right. Talk to and, them. Yeah. And the one last thing I'm going to say, because I got to go uh, to talk to a Salvadorian scholar, okay. Mr. Jose Centeno. Um, no, is that I, there was this guy, you know, Howard. He was a good friend of my, of my sister and Elsa. And he, he passed away. Um, but one day, you know, just hanging out, uh, a bunch of families together. And he said, if you ask the oldest person in your family about the memories, memories they have of the oldest person in the family they remember, he said, there, you have shitloads of stories. And that is one of the problems, I think, that we have with the way hist the, the word history has been ingrained in us. That history, when you study history, it means you study white, pasty people that were in tight and pointy shoes. They're founding fathers. Um, and nowadays they will be uh, called a queer <laughs> or funny dressing people. Uh, uh, but, you know, our, our histories, no? So if, if you go back, you know, we look the way we do because with being here, motherfuckers. You know, uh, how old is your country? Uh, 400 years old? Oh, you know, our people, our blood has been here for millennia, you know? Um, and, you know, this whole definition of an American, no? Hell with that, you know? We, we've been here mm -hmm. for millennia. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and we look the way we look because, you know, colonialism, but it's in fact that, you know, we are um, Native Americans. We're Mayans, we're Incas, you know, we're, you name it, Garifonas, we are, lo que tu quieras, So, in that sense, you know, I think that, that, that uh, we're still... You know, in this moment where after the pandemic, 
the world has gone back to normal and what the industry is feeding you is a bunch of images of black, white, and Asian people having children, ordering pizza, you know, being, I mean, you look at every commercial, no? And Latinos are still not seen. There's very few Latinos in commercials, mm-hmm. you know? And so I grew up in the 80s when I decided that there were no parts for me in, in, in Broadway or Hollywood, you know? And that's why I decided to stay in D.C. to be a, a person that will not leave that will not leave a hole like every other white girl or boy that came to be goody goodies. And I have to think about my own growth. <laughs> I have to go to school uh, and then leave the projects that they started. So, the, you know, the, the point in continuity, but at the same time also, um, you know, the might and the force that, that we carry with us, you know, and, uh, and díganle no al pendejismo, you know, así de subir la cabeza, cabrón, you know, no mames, güey, you know, none of this, <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, okay, no, okay, you pass that, mira Cindy, she's a teacher. It's like it was so much. It's so fun. <laughs> you, you, you could have a whole. You could have a whole episode with him. Yeah. I mean, I, it would drive me a little wild to have to edit it all, but um, he's don't worry. Kika is Kika. He's yeah. great. He's I love. Great. It. I love it. I love it. Um, so I feel like one of the things that I wanted to kind of like stand a little bit about our conversation was, um, about that specific. I feel like it's so important, like what you guys talk about that. Um, se llama? the now younger Central Americans and younger mm-hmm. thing generation are seeking for this. And mm-hmm. so it, like when you were sharing about the story of your mom, like mm-hmm. I almost cry, by the way, I almost cry in every single episode. But the reason is because I'm, I am an immigrant. And if someone mm-hmm. asked me that question to me, I will be bawling mm-hmm. right away, you know? And mm-hmm. I know like if I asked that question to my mom who moved from a town to the city and then moved to countries, it will be the same thing. And I feel mm-hmm. like, just like Ike said, like sometimes we don't take into consideration that we need to talk to our oldest person that's an oldest person, you know, to have so yeah. many stories. And when it comes to Central American stories, there's so much we have to cover. And I, it, when you share about like, you know, film festivals, right? Like we're both like Central American filmmakers and we understand that to push our movies, it has to be an extra you know it's, it's kind of like you have to it's sad to say this but it has to like you kind of need to be saying like no believe me my movie's worth it you know my movie's yeah. worth it but but then it's always the question like but like you know like we have Chicano movies like this we have like Argentinian movie like this what about yours it's like because our experience is different mm-hmm. always push for that like being Latino is important but you need yeah. to understand that there's little communities inside that. That yeah. every is different. And the mm-hmm. way the Chicano and Mexican identity and experience is important to be told mm-hmm. in the same way as the Central American, the indigenous and all the ones. Because if the Latino community is always, we always talk about like, oh, we're not represented in media. It's always like, but we're talking about the general, right? Mm-hmm. The experience, what about the rest? 
right? So we're like, we're like, it's a little bit on the little one part. And it's, is seeing this movie and I wish like, you know, soon I can have it. Cause when you told me, I couldn't go to to San Diego, and I was like, "Oh my God, I wanted to watch it so bad, know. you know." But I'm hopefully I can have the opportunity to see one of the film like film festivals around the area, you know, once you know comes closer to me, um, because I am so happy to hear that response, and I feel like if I, you know, when when we have talking and something that I was talking with Kike before recording, what was the reason I started the podcast? And I was like, because I didn't have anything like this. And mm-hmm. I feel like that will be the same motivation that you, Ellie and Kike had while you guys started this film, while you guys started the work that you do, because we never had like this. And mm-hmm. as Central American, I feel like we eventually are like, well, we have to create it because no one is looking to create it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it feels as a disconnect if someone created it about us because it's not us, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you, any future projects for the film, any new screenings or anything about it? Like, yeah. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, and I am... Um... Yeah, I'm sad that you weren't able to watch it either. But um, no, and and really quickly too, I think um, to your point, I think it's just strong to underline this. Like, you know, we can't wait for people to come and tell our story. We can't wait and think that someone's going to, you know, save us from a certain situation. I think it's that similar thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to, pick yourself up or you have to be the one that says like, I'm going to tell the story because I am best qualified for it. And if you're not, or, you know, again, working collaboratively, finding the people mm-hmm. in your community that are, but um, yeah. And I, because I don't want some person to come in and tell the story of me and my family, like mm-hmm. why, you know, and, and that's, you know, sure. I'm a filmmaker, but even if I wasn't, I'm still the best qualified person to yes. tell my own story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that with this project in particular, like Ika mentioned, Ellie was already a part of the community. Yes, she is a white woman, but because she grew up in the community, she was already someone who was well, you know, versed and, and knew people. Um, but also, even if that wasn't the case, she is someone, again, who's very collaborative in all of her projects. She looks to get people involved in everything, you know, I mean, she showed the cut of the film to Kike and Sammy and like everyone, all of the memory keepers multiple times to get their input on it. Right. And also post, you know, the film being done, she is very mindful and intentional about like, even if she's on a panel, she tries to take a step back and let other people talk. Mm -hmm. And that's just who she is as a person. And I have so much respect and appreciation for that. Um, So I think it's important, right. Recognizing, what position you're in, what power you have. And also Mm -hmm. for us as Central Americans um, to know that too, like, you know, we might be some of the smallest countries, you know, especially Mm -hmm. in Salvador, Pulgarcito de America, Mm -hmm. we're small, but we're so mighty and our voices matter. Our stories matter. And it reminded me too, you know, like I, I proudly call myself Latina. Yes. But I more proudly call myself Salvadoran because that is mm-hmm. that is my identity and mm-hmm. Latinidad or you know being Latina Latino Latinx Latin like whatever it is you know it, it's so easy to put us under this umbrella and again I'm I'm proud to be a part of that 
but my identity and my experience is not going to be the same as someone from Mexico or someone from Cuba, someone from Mm -hmm. Argentina. It's just not the same. So anyway, just wanted to say that, but in terms of, um, upcoming things. So Kika mentioned, you know, we've been working hard on building this into the DC public schools curriculum and the curriculum does exist now. Basically our team has, uh, working with local DC teachers to get this built into their, you know, lessons and, um, get that built into their teachings. And, um, so that, you know, that process still continues, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think outside of just screening the film, the impact that we're making through the film in this project is equally, if not more important. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that piece to it. Um, and then with upcoming screenings, so, you know, since we premiered last July, it's just been a lot of, a lot of things going on. And so, um, we don't have anything necessarily on the books for this summer. However, in the fall, we are planning on taking this out to California specifically on a mini tour. So there will be, (laughs) there will be more information coming out soon. Um, the focus is a lot on colleges and universities. Um, but you know, because California is huge, you know, we're trying to just put some pieces together and, and, and get a few screenings out there. You know, DC has, I think the second largest, uh, Salvadoran population, in the country. Um, and obviously like LA and California have, has a huge population of, of Salvadorans as well. So it's very important to us to be able to share this, um, with the community out there. So that's coming up this fall. We're working hard on mm-hmm. getting that stuff booked and scheduled and partnering with other folks too. And, um, you know, I, some like goals, what would be nice is if we could take this down to El Salvador you know, like share the film there. Right. Um, so that's like dreaming big and obviously it requires funding. So like we're having those conversations and going through those process, um, or processes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people too have asked us, when are we going to be able to watch it like on a streaming platform? And so that's another piece of the conversation too. It's happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that people don't realize that it takes money, (laughs) number one. And, um, just like our beautiful country of El Salvador, we also are a very small but mighty team. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're we're you know we're we're working hard and and we're having those conversations. And um, I think right now our our focus through the summer is actually having conversations with people like you, like reaching out to podcasts that are hosted by Central Americans or Salvadorans, and mm-hmm. um, you know making those connections and getting the word out there about the film and continuing to have that and, um, you know, do workshops, um, mm-hmm. with, with organizations or colleges too, that, that we also offer. So, um, yeah, it's exciting stuff. It's really this, again, this project, um, has been incredible. And like I said before, you know, I think what's more important to some degree besides, making the film and then screening it is what are we doing with the actual documentary to create Mm -hmm. long lasting impact. And so obviously that's a big piece of my role as the impact producer and working on this team. But, um, you know, we're just excited to see what the future holds as we continue to share it and continue to have conversations and continue to, you know, hopefully inspire future generations to take up the mic and take their phones and, and record our histories, record our memories because it's, so so important and um you know i think we often take it for granted so yeah yeah 
definitely, definitely. Thank you so much, Cindy. That is amazing. Please let me know about the California tour. And also, um, I'll, I'll talk to you about something else after yeah, we're yeah, yeah. recording. Uh, but thank you so much for coming. I wanted to give you a little space for you and Kike. Oh, me, Kike, not here, but, uh, for you and Kike to, you know, share where can we find it and um, where can, you know, the social media, you have mm -hmm. a website, you have a social media, everything will be linked below for everything. And if you have a funding link or anything where I can put it also. So please like take this time to share where they can find more information about the film. Yeah, so um, we uh, do have a website. It's uh, lamamblesafilm.com. And through there, you can um, access, you know, more information about the film, our trailer, um, you know, information about where we've been, all the uh, screenings that we've held. Um, we also do have a merch site. So if you want to get some merch, um, that would be a great way to support because proceeds from that go directly into our impact campaign. So it fuels the work behind you know, obviously hosting screenings, but also having conversations with folks and um, again, making a, a, long, a bigger impact with the film. Um, we're also on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at La Mamblesa Film. And through there, you get a ton of information as well on what's going on, um, uh, you know, whether we are doing podcast recordings, right? Um, or having screenings, or sometimes we'll do some fun giveaways or even some fun polls, which please... If you follow us, participate in because some of them are food related. I want to know what the best spots for some Salvadoran <laughs> cuisines are, um, like Salvadoran restaurants in like certain cities. So like I might just be asking for, you know, because I'm curious, but it's also really fun. Um, so you can engage with us there. Um, and then uh, the other thing I want to mention, too, is on our website, Um, and also through social media, you can DM us if you, if you'd like, or you can email us. Um, but if you have an idea and want to host a screening for your community or partner with an organization in your community to host a screening, or you just are like, Hey, have you considered this festival? Have you considered this place? You can reach out to us through there. Um, like I said before, and like what Kika and I were, were mentioning before, we really, um, work in collaboration and in community with one another. And none of this really could be possible without sure, like our team, but also the people that have engaged with us and have reached out and have spread the word. And so um, if you have any ideas or if you're interested in hosting a screening or just want to get more information, please, there's a link on our website that you can just fill out a form. You can email us. Um, our email is lamamblesa at gmail.com. And then um, you can also just DM us on Instagram or Facebook you will be in direct contact with me. So um, <laughs> that would be the best way to do that. Thank you so much, Cindy. So everyone, if you want to contact Cindy or Love and Plaza film for anything that she just shared, uh, everything will be linked as always in our notes. But I just want to say to you, Cindy and Kiki, thank you so much for you know coming to the show. Thank you so much for creating this film. And Thank you for the work. And, you know, Ellie, I know she's not here, but, you know, thank Ellie for everything. And the whole Memplesa team, I know, as you said, it is a small team, but it's very, you know, like family, like family community oriented. So, yes, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs>
Before I say hasta luego or onto our next episode, if you like our content and would like to support my work, you can join our Patreon or donate through our website. Also, don't forget that year-round we're accepting donation for our Voices Scholarship. All the information is always in the description box. And also, don't forget to come back for our next episode.